before you are seated, if you have a Bible, if you would open it to the book of Matthew where we have been at, to Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 28. And as you do that, the children from kindergarten through sixth grade would be dismissed for children's church at this time. And so we bless the children as they would go this morning and look forward to what the Lord would say to them. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 28 through chapter 8, verse 17. Matthew records this. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. And when he came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately he was cured of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, A centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. And Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. Centurion replied, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes, And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, it will be done just as you believed it would, and his servant was healed at that very hour. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever, and he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed or afflicted were brought to him, and he drove the spirits out with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. May the Lord add his blessing this morning to the reading of his word. Thank you for standing in honor of his word. You may be seated at this time. So today we start a new portion of the book of Matthew. We finished last week the Sermon on the Mount, and today we start a section from chapter 8 through the majority of chapter 9 that talk about and paint a picture of Jesus. You may have heard the phrase, built different. You may have heard it in the context of an athlete in sports that in the midst of a game or in the midst of a season, they rise above everyone else, they stand out, and the commentators will say, that person is built different. You may have seen 
car commercials advertising a truck and they show their truck and they say, we are built different. This brand stands out. It's better than everyone else. There may be things such as a student who rises to the top of their class and it's said of them, they are built different. Or a surgeon who gets the toughest cases, the ones that no one else will touch. And they are successful in it. And it is said of them that surgeon is built different. Or maybe there's a lawyer who represents the toughest of cases, the the cases where the client would look at being seen as having no hope. And those in this field would say, That lawyer is built different, and on and on and on. You can find it in every realm and every sphere. There are those that stand out. We would say they are just built different. Could I suggest to you this morning that Jesus is built different? The title of these next messages, the series, will be Jesus is Different. Jesus is different than anyone who has ever walked on the face of the earth or will ever walk on the face of the earth. And chapters eight and nine paint a picture of just how different Jesus is. We just got, time, we got done spending a lot of time lifting up the name of Jesus, declaring his greatness together, declaring even in song, Jesus is different. We'll see things like he is the one with all power and all authority over things like sickness, nature, the demonic, the power of sin, just to name a few. And yet at the same time, he is exceedingly loving and compassionate. And he has come in that difference as king to help us, to meet us. Jesus, our king, is different. And for us today, that should be exceptionally, exceptionally good news. Today, we see him as different in his ability to heal. He is both a willing and able healer. There are sermon notes that are in your bulletins if you want to take notes. But let's begin to look at this together. Jesus is different. He is willing and able to heal. First, Jesus is willing to heal. Jesus comes down from the mountainside at the beginning of chapter 8 after preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he is immediately confronted with a leper. Verses 2 and 3 say, A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand, touched the man, and he said, I am willing, be clean. And immediately, Jesus was cured, or the man was cured by Jesus. I want to suggest to you this morning that Jesus is always willing to heal. Jesus is always willing to heal. He is willing to heal our sicknesses. He is willing, like for this man, to be present with him. He is willing to touch us. He is willing to meet us at the deepest point of our need. As he comes down from teaching the servant on the mount, this man from, with leprosy comes before him. And this man would have broken all the rules. 
Because a man with leprosy, an individual with leprosy, was to be kept away from everyone else. They were to be in the, the leper colony because they didn't want, and the, even the law of God did not allow for lepers to be around people with skin diseases that were transmittable to be able to be around others because they didn't want to spread it to others because leprosy had no cure. And so this man with leprosy breaks all the rules. He comes out from the leper colony and comes to Jesus. And he comes with this simple phrase, if you are willing, Lord, you can make me clean. Jesus himself breaks the rules. Because Jesus could have said, you're not supposed to be here. Go back where you're supposed to be. Get away from me. But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus comes to the man and Matthew says he touches the man. He touches the one with the contagious, uncurable skin disease. He touches the man and he tells him, I am willing. And then with two words, says, be clean. And we are told immediately, immediately, he was cured of his leprosy. Jesus tells him to go and do what was required by the law and go to the priest, offer the gift so that it would be a testimony to the priest of this, but don't tell anyone else it wasn't time yet. Jesus reaches out. He touches him, declaring, be clean, And the man is cleansed. Jesus is always willing to heal. He's different that way. When others would stay away, when others would say, you can't be here, when others would say, there is no hope to make you clean, this is uncurable, Jesus is different. Jesus meets him there, and Jesus meets his need and heals. He is willing to heal. I intentionally put that in those phrases. Jesus is always willing to heal because that might rile us up a little bit inside. Because we need to ask the question, if Jesus is willing to heal, and I believe Jesus is always willing to heal, then why is everyone not healed? Sometimes we don't go after healing because We get stuck on these questions. Why is everyone not healed? And so we stay away from this subject. But I would still contend to you that Jesus is always willing to heal. We're going to look at the end of this message for a few moments at some reasons that we might contribute to not being healed. But for right now, we want to look at a few reasons why on Jesus' end, we may not be willing, or we may not be healed. Because I think we need to understand something. Jesus' willingness to heal does not always guarantee the result that we want. Let me say that again. His willingness to heal does not always guarantee the results that we want. Think of it this way. 
Think of a parent with their children. A good parent is always willing to play with their children. Now, as a parent, I can tell you there are times when I'm tired and I just want to do my thing where I may not rise up to the level that I should and my willingness may not be there. So, so hear me, every illustration when it comes to Jesus breaks down because if I'm going to compare myself to Jesus in that way, it's going to break down. But imagine for a moment a parent who is always willing to play with their children. But if they did, it would not always be the best for their children. Why? Because children need to learn to play on their own. They need to learn to develop imagination. The parent is willing to play, but they know that their child needs to develop some play-by-myself skills. If that child has siblings, that child needs to learn to play with their siblings, to develop the relationship with their siblings. There's also people outside of the family, friends that they're going to need to learn socially to make friends with other kids, to learn how to give and take. I want to do my thing, you want to do your thing, how we both play together. Kids need to learn how to play with other kids. And so a parent may be willing, but they may also know that it's not best for them to be their primary child's playmate. There may be times as well where the child says, I want to play, and the parent is willing to play, but they're asking at bedtime. So they know that their child needs to go to bed to get sleep, and so it is not the time to play with their child. It doesn't mean the parent is not willing to play with their child. They just know their child needs more than them to be their playmate and knows that there are times when it is not the right time to play. So hear me when I say Jesus is always willing to heal. But he in his infinite goodness and wisdom may know that in that time, in that way, it is not what is best or needed. He may know that in the midst of the healing that we need, we need to learn more how to persevere in asking because if we come to Jesus and say, I, if you are willing, I believe that you can heal me, if he would do it just like that every time, every time, every time, we would just come to him as this divine kind of soda machine dispenser, vending machine. And every time we needed something, Jesus is what I need. Okay, and now I'm off on my way. Sometimes he knows we need to learn how to ask and seek and knock, and so sometimes he may not answer right away because he knows we need to learn how to persevere in asking. He knows that sometimes we need to learn patience. We need to learn to wait. So sometimes, even though he is willing to heal, he may not heal because he wants to teach us how to wait on him. Sometimes we may learn, need to learn how to endure suffering and pain for Christ's likeness to be built 
in us, as Paul says, that in the midst of suffering, suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. And this hope does not disappoint because it brings more of the Spirit of God in our lives. And so sometimes he may not heal because we need to learn something about suffering. And if we always were healed in this life, we would never leave this life and go to our eternal home. And so sometimes he may not heal because that sickness is ending in what we would think is bad, but for a believer in Christ is just the gateway to our eternal home. And so there's all kinds of reasons, and, and this probably is just touching the tip of the iceberg of reasons why Jesus may not heal all the time, why not everyone gets healed. But it does not change this fact. Jesus is always willing to heal. Why do I make such a point about Jesus is always willing to heal? Because he wants us to come to him for healing. And if I don't think he is willing to heal, I'm not going to go to him. His nature and his character is such that he is always willing. And because I know he's always willing, I'm going to go to him for it. We'll look at that more at the very end. Jesus is willing to heal. He's different in that way. Jesus also is able to heal. He is able to heal for two reasons that we see in this passage. The first is that Jesus has authority over sickness. Jesus has authority over sickness. At the end of chapter 7, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, it says this, chapter 7, verses 28 and 29, it says this about Jesus. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowd the crowds were amazed at his teaching, not because they were so wise and because he had such good things to say, which he did, but because of this, Matthew notes, because he taught as one who had authority not and not as their teachers of the law. The teachers of the law said all the right things. They had good information, but the weight of authority they did not have. There was something about Jesus' teaching that it wasn't just what he said, it was the weight and the authority with which it was said. That these people knew when they heard him, they heard from God in a way that they were not hearing from their teachers of the law. So authority is first seen in this passage in Jesus' teaching. His words and his, had weight and influence. But there's another aspect of authority that we see, and that is from verses 5 through 13 in this encounter with the centurion. The centurion would have been a Roman, and Romans were not very highly liked. They were the occupiers of Israel at that point, and the people would have despised this Roman centurion. And so as Jesus comes into the town of Capernaum, the centurion comes to him, and he says to Jesus, Jesus, my servant is paralyzed and is suffering terribly. We already established Jesus is willing to heal, right? He says, 
I will go to your house and I will heal him. Another aspect of willingness. And so you would think, here goes the the whole story. Jesus comes, this man comes, even though this is kind of out of the ordinary, that a Roman's coming to a Jew. But, and Jesus says, yeah, I'm willing, let's go to your house. You would just think that he would go on the journey, follow him there, do what he did with this leper, touch the man or speak the word and everything's fine. But the, the whole story changes in the centurion's response. The centurion says this in verse 8, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. You don't have to come. I'm not worthy to have you come to my house. Just say it. Just say it and my servant will be healed. And here's why he says it. Verse 9, For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And I tell that one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. This man understood authority. He was a man who, as a centurion, had those who were over him, generals, whatever they may be, those who told him what to do. And the way authority works is when one of greater authority tells you to do something, you do it. And so he understands being under authority about authority, and he understands as having others under his authority about authority, that when you say, I want you to do this, when you say come, when you say go, that the one who is under your authority has no option but to say, sure, and they're off. No hem-hawing about it, no debating, no can we meet on another way or hey, I have another idea. When you're under authority, what gets told to you is what gets done. And this man understands it. He understands Jesus having authority over sickness. He understands that by just speaking the word, sickness will have to listen. Sickness will have to to leave. And he sees Jesus as of greater authority than him. And Jesus, we're told in verse 10, is astonished. <laughs> this is where you see the humanness of Jesus still. He is fully God and fully man. There's this mystery of the incarnation, fully God and fully man, but he chooses not to live out of his divinity. He chooses to live under the authority of the Father, doing what the Father says. So there are times for Jesus where he's having interactions in his humanness, and he's like, whoa, didn't see that coming. And he says, this man has great faith. I've never seen faith like this in all of Israel. Understand, he's been just starting his earthly ministry, but he's been living on this earth for 30 years. He's been living with the Jewish people, and for the first time in his life, he sees Faith like he has never seen it before in all of his Jewish interactions with Israelites that he lived with and grew up with. That's saying something, isn't it? This Roman pagan has greater faith than anyone he's ever seen in Israel. And he uses the opportunity and says, there's a day coming when people from the east and the west will come into the kingdom of God and will share in the inheritance of of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and sit at the feast. And those who are part of the kingdom those who are of Israel, those who are of the covenant people, they'll be the ones who are on the outside looking in. He says, this man has 
faith like I've never seen it before. And with that, he simply speaks the word. Go. It will be done just as you believed it would. And we're told that his servant was healed at that very moment. Friends, Jesus is different in that he has authority over all sickness. What he says has to be obeyed. No sickness can resist the authority of Jesus. He is able to heal. There's another reason why Jesus is able to heal, not only that he has authority over it, but that he has purchased healing. He has purchased healing. Verses 14 to 17, Jesus shows up at Peter's mother-in-law's house. And as he shows up there, she is in bed sick with a fever. And we're told that Jesus simply goes to her at her bed and touches her hand, and like that, the fever leaves. And she goes from sick to serving in an instant. There's no slow development. Oh, Jesus set Peter's mother-in-law on the road to healing, and boy, she turned the corner, and she, you know, she needed another day or so in bed to get her strength back up. No, she went from fever, sick in bed, in an instant to up on her feet, serving, preparing food for him and for those who came. Total healing. And word begins to spread All throughout the town, word spreads, and the townspeople show up with those who are in the NIV and in a lot of translations, it says demon-possessed, but that's a bad translation. The word is demonized. In other words, afflicted by demonic spirits. Possession means ownership. This is affected or afflicted by demons. They don't own the people. They are afflicting the people. And so the demon-afflicted And the sick are brought. And Jesus brings freedom to everyone who was brought to him. It says he healed all of their sick and delivered, drove out the spirits with a word. Because Jesus is different. And it tells us that healing is not just about our physical bodies, but it's also about our emotions. It's also about our hurts. It's also about our mental sicknesses. It's about all areas of brokenness of our bodies, physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, every area of brokenness Jesus is healer of. And then Peter quotes this in verse 17. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. This is from Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 through 6. If you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn there with me. About midway through the Bible, you'll find the book of Psalms. Then make your way towards the back. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs. Then you're going to run into eventually the big book of Isaiah, to Isaiah chapter 53. I want you to see where this is quoted from. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 through 6, is a prophetic writing of Jesus, of what he was going to do through his work on the cross. It says this in Isaiah 53, 4 through 6. 
Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows or diseases. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, our sins, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds on the cross, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. So the Lord has laid on him the iniquity or the sins of us all. Oftentimes, we focus on the part of forgiveness. The Lord has laid upon him the sickness of us all. I I was trained in evangelism explosion like 20 years ago. And this was one of the passages that was talked about for forgiveness of our sin, of why we need a savior. And it says, using this prophetic word of Jesus, what he was going to do, that the Lord has laid upon Jesus all of our sin. And at the cross, he paid for all of our sin. But you know what we don't often talk about? We talk about the fact that Jesus died for the forgiveness of our sin. And he absolutely did. But Jesus also died for all that is broken in this world. He also died to pay for all of our sicknesses, our sorrows, our diseases, our afflictions. See, it's, it's good news that we have a Savior who one day is going to take us to be with heaven, with him in heaven. But is it even better news that we have a Savior who is able to meet our needs here in the brokenness of this world? And we don't have to wait to die or Jesus to come back one day for things to get better? Jesus came not just to forgive us, to get us to heaven. Jesus came to reverse everything that was broken at the fall. Turn with me to back to the book of Matthew, to Matthew chapter 4 for a moment. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 to 25. Matthew 4, 23 to 25. We looked at this a while ago, but Jesus says, or Matthew says this about Jesus. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, demonic affliction, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. And he healed them. Do you see what he says? He calls it the good news of the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom includes forgiveness of sin. Praise the Lord. But the good news of the kingdom also deals with setting the captives free, healing the sick and the paralyzed, The good news of the kingdom is that everything that was broken when Adam and Eve fell, the kingdom has come and is coming. And whenever the kingdom comes, things of how it will be in heaven begin to be released here on earth. In heaven, are there any demons afflicting people? All right, let let me make sure you, 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 you understand this. In heaven, are there any demons afflicting people? No. In heaven, are there any people who are paralyzed and can't move or walk? In heaven, are there any blind people? In heaven, are there any deaf people? In heaven, are there any afflicted with cancer? 
In heaven, are there any with broken bones or a vision that isn't right or mental illness or fear or sorrow or hurts from things that have been done or bitterness or anger because of holding on to unforgiveness? Is there any of that in heaven? No. Some days we're like, I can't wait for that because out there, I can't wait for that. When that comes, one day I'm going to die or Jesus is going to come back and all that is bad here is going to be better. Yes, amen, praise the Lord. But when the kingdom comes and Jesus says the good news of the kingdom and demonstrates the good news of the kingdom, when the kingdom comes, heaven begins to happen here and healing begins to happen here. And the willing healer begins to release his healing here. Because Jesus on the cross has purchased healing with his blood. And I would propose to us today that it is an affront to Jesus to not receive from him all that he has purchased. It would be like if you had a good friend who was a chef and they're at a five-star restaurant and people are making reservations months and months ahead of time to get into that restaurant to have a, to have a meal prepared by this chef. And because he's your friend, he says, I want you to come to my house And I am going to prepare for you a meal that you will never forget. And you go to his house. And he starts off with this special bread that he had been letting rise for like three days. And had just come out of the oven right before you came. And then after the bread, put the butter on it and the butter just melts immediately. Then he brings out the soup. A soup that goes perfectly with the bread that you just ate. And then he brings out the salad that combines taste notes from all of those three things you've eaten already. And before you know it, you are just like, okay, this meal, this meal could end right here. And then he brings out the main course with the meat and the potato and the vegetable that, that just builds on what has already been started to the dessert. And this, from beginning to end, this is one cohesive meal that he has spent hours figuring out how do I make this perfect? How many of you would want to go for that? I'd be there. Now imagine though that you went for that. And as he laid out, here's everything that's coming down the line towards you. I want you to be prepared for what is coming and how it all works together. And you decide, you know what? I'll pass on the bread, pass on the soup, pass on the salad, You can probably leave the potato and the vegetables back there. Dessert, that sounds good. Sounds kind of weird, too fancy for me, so just leave that. But just the meat sounds really good. Bring the meat. How do you think that chef would react? He'd probably be pretty offended. That he spent all of this time and people come after making reservations months in advance to eat his food and you've decided I just want the meat. Friends, oftentimes that's what we do in our view of the gospel with Jesus. Just get me to heaven, Jesus. 
I can't wait for heaven because there, all the bad stuff, all the mess, all the sickness, disease, all the relationship garbage, all that stuff, that'll all be gone. I can't wait for heaven, can't wait for heaven, can't wait for heaven, can't wait for heaven. And Jesus is like, I've come to bring heaven here. And I'm willing. I have authority. I purchased it on the cross. Receive it. He's different. He's able. And he's willing to heal. So what do we do with this? A couple things and then we wrap up. What do we do with this? Well, we respond. How do we respond? I think we see here that we first come to Jesus. The leper in verse 2 came to Jesus. The centurion in verse 5, he came to Jesus. The crowds, the townspeople in Peter's mother-in-law's town came to Jesus. They come. There is this act of humility. There's this act of desperation. There's this act of acknowledgement that's wrapped up in their coming and in our coming to Jesus. There is this recognition of our need and a recognition that Jesus is different and that he is willing and that he is able to heal. The leper risked being scolded for coming near. The centurion risked rejection because he was a Roman by Jesus, by the Israelites, and by his own people. But both came. Both came despite the risks associated. Friends, sometimes you may have to risk. Risk disappointment. Risk, this may be more involved than I was thinking, Risk other people looking at you like, are you really going to be one of those wacky healing believers? There may be risk. There may be things in your mind that you're going to have to overcome doubts, fears, questions. There may be uncomfortableness. They risked it. There wasn't a guarantee, but they believed he was willing. They believed he was able. Sometimes, like Peter's mother-in-law, you may not even come to Jesus. Jesus may come to you. It may be in the least expected time, in the least expected way, in the least expected place. But Jesus may come to you. If you come to him, or he comes to you, it requires that you will have to have faith slash belief in Jesus. In the centurion's encounter in his story, these were explicit words that were used. Jesus says, what great faith. And in verse 13, it will be done just as you believed it would. Those two, faith and belief, Go together. Faith is necessary to release the healing of Jesus. Faith oftentimes expresses our coming under the authority of Jesus. 
Because it's in the authority of Jesus, in the presence of Jesus, in his authority, that sickness has to listen. And so sometimes faith is our act of coming under the authority of Jesus. This is not just head knowledge faith, it's heart knowledge faith. It's saying, Jesus, you are my first option and you are my ultimate source of healing. Whatever you say, whatever you do after that, I'm, I'm good with that, but I'm coming first to you. And it's not your faith, it's your faith in him. He is the healer. He is the one who is able. He is the one who is willing. He is the one who has purchased it. So we come to him and in faith we come to him. I said at the beginning that there may be reasons that we short circuit healing because these are needed. They can also be the reasons why we don't. If we refuse to humble ourselves and come to him, if we refuse in faith to submit to his authority over our lives, or if our faith is in someone or something else, we may miss the healing. But more than anything, it's coming to him, the one who is different, the one who is willing, the one who is able, who invites us to come in faith and in belief. Dr. A.B. Simpson who is the founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance, understood that Jesus is different in this way. He had a heart condition that he was told he wouldn't live three more months. And he came to Jesus believing that Jesus had the authority and had purchased healing and his heart was miraculously healed. One day he was barely able to take two or three steps up onto a platform to preach. The next day after being healed, he climbed a mountain. And it was out of that, so radically convinced that Jesus is willing and able to heal that his daughter contracted diphtheria. And it was out of that encounter with Jesus that he began to say, I believe that Jesus is willing and able to heal. And even though he was told by others, call the doctor, call the doctor, you need to get medicine, call the doctor, call the doctor, call the doctor, he said, no, Jesus is my healer. He was convinced of it, and he wrote that he believed the Lord was saying, trust me in this. And so all night, he stayed up. And he interceded and prayed and welcomed the presence of Jesus over his daughter all night long until the fever broke. Understand this. His son, years before, had died of diphtheria. I don't know about you, but I would be living in fear of that disease. My, now my daughter has this. What are we going to do? We've got to figure out how to manage, control this thing. What are we going to do? We've got to get her to the doctor. got to get the right medicine. Gotta... He had been changed. He had met the healer. 
And he was convinced at that moment that the healer was saying, trust me in this. Trust me in this. Trust me in this. And he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he welcomed the healer's presence. And Jesus, who is different, brought healing. Friends, what do you need to come to Jesus with? Is there a physical need in your life that you just simply need to come to Jesus? Maybe you have been, and I would just encourage you, keep coming to Jesus with it. Maybe you've been doubting his willingness. Maybe you've been doubting his ability. And he may just be saying this morning, come to me. Come to me. See what I will do. Let me speak over you. Come to me. The worship team will come just to lead us in a closing hymn, reminding us of the friend that we have in Jesus. But it can just be a moment. We don't need to stand for this last song. But I would just encourage you to spend some time with him. I can tell you, hey, come to the front for here. I, will, I really believe what the Lord is saying is spend time with me. Jesus is inviting us, spend time with me and let me 